guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Hey guys, how is your night going? Good? Good. I have, um, I'm going to make a declaration, okay? I'm about to declare something over my life. Um, I'm about to declare this already. Listen up, listen up. I, de- I do declare... I'm a cat person. I don't care. I don't care what you say. I am I am a cat person. And honestly, all you cat haters out there, just for a second, think about what the internet would look like without any cat videos, and you would be sad. Admit it. You would be sad. You'd be sad. So like, you hate cats, but you also love cats. I do. I truly love cats. They're like a roommate, more like a roommate than a toddler, which is nice because you can just like leave them for long periods of time. They, I mean, they go to the bathroom in your house, but so does a toddler. Like, it, really, cats are... Okay, well, some cats go to the bathroom. See, look at that. Some cats even go to the bathroom outside, and that is even great. Okay, I'd like to make another declaration, if you would allow me. Is that okay? Doesn't matter, because I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> Silly people. All right, I'm going to declare something else. I'm a dog person, too, so what up? What up, dog people in the house? So, I love dogs. Actually, amendment to that. I am a large dog person, because if it's a small, tiny dog, I want to kick it. Like that. It's, they're bad. They're bad. If they're tiny little dogs, they're squeaking, they're yipping. Like, everything they do makes me upset. And here's my theory, is that little dogs, nobody cares what they're like, because if they just go crazy, no, they're not going to hurt anybody. But large dogs will hurt someone. So people that have large dogs take care of their pet. They're like, we have to make sure this dog isn't bad. Little dogs, all bad. Every single one of them are bad, because no one cares. I can just pick that thing up and throw it somewhere else. No one would care, right? That's, so that's the thing. I love cats and I love dogs. And I'm a little bit tired of the fight between them, but it's fine. But because of my love of cats and dogs, I was the perfect audience, the perfect audience for the Pixar short, Kit Bull. I don't know. Has anyone ever seen this? this? It is a very good short. It wasn't released in the movie theater, so sadly when I watched it, I watched it um, alone without any of my friends, more importantly, without any movie theater popcorn. I watched it on my iPhone in my room alone and shed four tears. (laughs) Roughly. Roughly four tears. Um, So this short, if you haven't seen it, which you should, go home and watch it. It's about a little tiny kitten and a pit bull becoming friends. And it's very cute and very nice. It's called Kit Bull. That's what it's called. They become friends, and they help each other out, and it's incredible. There's a lot of like life lessons that you can learn in there about friendship and becoming friends and helping each other, and it's incredible. In the end, they're friends forever, and they get adopted, and they're living their best lives. It's amazing. I, if I think about it too long, I will cry, so I'm going to move on. Um, but there's, like I said, there's a lot of really cool life lessons about friendship inside that short little film, and guess what, guys? The same can be said about the book of Philemon. Gotcha. You didn't think I was going to the Bible, but I did. So, welcome to... Week three of Biblical Shorts. This has been a series where we're talking about single chapter books of the Bible that often get overlooked, just to see what God's telling us in those little chapters, because even though they're small and there's not a lot, lot of like actual content in there, God's still saying a lot to us, um, because he can say a lot with just little words, which is really, really cool. So Philemon is the book we are going through tonight. And there are a total of five single chapter books of the Bible, and so far we've done two of them. Can anybody name them? Mm, it's fine. It was Jude and Obadiah. So... It's fine. They were hard books to remember. I get it. So uh, Jude and Obadiah were the two that there are. Then we have Philemon, 2 John, and 3 John. Here's the problem with 2 John and 3 John. 
They're so closely connected to first John that I have to talk about them all at once, and that feels like I'm cheating. So like, mm, say no to that. So tonight is the last night of biblical shorts. We're doing Philemon, and then it's, it's over forever, never to be heard of again. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I drink too much coffee today, so get ready for what is happening. Okay, so this book is in the New Testament. So if you have a physical Bible, open up to the New Testament and find it. It's in there. I believe in you. You can do it. It's between Titus and Hebrews. Um, if you have a, you know, if you're less holy and have your Bible on your phone, you can open up your phone app and uh, you can search for Philemon, which as you can see on the screen is PH, not F. Don't look for Philemon with an F because you won't find anything. Um, look for that PH Philemon. All right, let's just jump into this bad boy. And if you've been paying attention, you know exactly what's coming up. We're going to ask some questions about this book of the Bible, which is a great practice to do whenever you're reading the Bible. You can use these questions. I hope you've been paying attention because anytime you read the Bible, you can ask these questions and it'll help you get a little more context of what's going on. And that way you can understand what God's trying to say because sometimes the Bible is confusing and it becomes less confusing when we understand the context. Okay, so first question we're going to ask is, what is the genre? Yeah, what is it, guys? Anybody guess what it is? I won't let you. It's a, it's a letter. Um, we talked about this before. There are 27 books in the New Testament, and 21 of them are letters. So as we're going to go through this, you're going to see, if you read any of the letters in the Bible, there's going to be some structure to them. Like, you know, when we write an email, there's some structure to the way that we write an email. Back in the day, in the ancient times, there's structure on how to write a letter. So you'll see the same structure throughout, and you're actually going to see a lot of the same style of writing because the next question is, who wrote this letter? The same guy wrote a lot of the letters, and his name is... Paul, and he is the one that wrote this letter. We first meet Paul in the book of Acts, which is a cool book. It's the story of the church and, you know, the Jesus getting out into the world, and it's very cool. Um, but we first meet him, and his name is uh, Saul. Yeah, it's confusing. Saul Paul. Don't worry about it. Um, it says this in uh, chapter 13 of Acts. This is Saul, also known as Paul. Saul Paul. Sometimes I'm Dave, sometimes I'm David, sometimes he's Saul, sometimes he's Paul. It's fine. Get over it. That's how it is. So, all right, we meet Saul Paul in Acts, and he's in the middle of, you know, just some light executing of the early church members. Um, shout out one time to Stephen, everybody. Yeah, RIP. RIP. Um, so at first glance, you might think like, okay, Saul Paul, not a great, great guy. Um, but, you know, things are about to take a turn. So Saul Paul was uh, killing Jesus' followers in the city of Jerusalem. And this is a quote from Acts. He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he moved on from just Jerusalem. He's like, I got to get out of here. So he's going to move to another city to kill more people like you do, like a little bit of a murder field trip. So he's out with the boys on his murder field trip and a light from heaven comes down, boom, hits him right in the face. Blind. Now he's blind. And then Jesus just talks to him from heaven and Jesus is like, bro, chill. And um, that's what he says, paraphrasing. Um, and then so Saul Paul is blind for three days then he's healed, then he finds Jesus, baptized, starts preaching about Jesus, goes on a bunch of missionary trips, and then writes most of the New Testament. So we have a real turnaround here for Saul Paul. Starts off murderer trip, and then he ends up writing most of the New Testament, which is really cool, right? Which is awesome because we can see that God often uses broken people to show us that we are capable of more than we think. Like if Paul the murderer can write most of the New Testament, then you the liar, the stupid, stupid, dumb, dumb. Um, I don't know, the one who lives one way at church and another way when you're with your friends or you, the one that's mean to your parents. I don't know, you fill in the blank. You, that person, can still impact the world for Jesus. Just remember, you were never too broken. All right, so that's Saul Paul. That's who wrote the book of Philemon. If it's a letter, who's you writing it to? Great question. We're gonna answer that next. So can anybody guess who this book is written to? We're kind of we're, we're changing it up this, this week. Guess who it's written to, anybody? 
It's Philemon, guys. It's Philemon, yeah. Um, finally, a book not named after the author for the first time in forever. So this is great. It's named after the person it's being written to. Uh, it says this in verses 1 and 2. This letter from Paul, a prisoner, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister, and to our fellow soldier, Archie, and uh, to the church that meets in your house. So we got three names here, right? And as we established, as I said earlier, it's from Paul to Philemon to, uh, I forgot to look this up, and then to Archie, um, to those three people. But it's mostly, it's mostly just to Philemon. Um, he's going to like talk directly to Philemon through the, most of the letter. The other people are there, I think, just as like, that's what you did. You named all the people that were there. So it's mostly just to Philemon. So those three names, but mostly just to Philemon. And... Philemon is mentioned as a beloved co-worker, and since the local church met at his house, this all points to Philemon being a local church, like a leader in the local church, um, a Jesus follower, and he was probably led to Jesus by Paul himself. Now, Philemon lived in the century when Rome was in charge of most things. Like, they owned everything. They were the ones in charge. Um, which was not great. They were the main power. Um, so the Roman culture and the laws were the norm for most people. And Rome loved enslaving people. It was like their number one favorite thing to do. Um, and they didn't care really who it was. Like unlike in American history where we had like race-based slavery, which was awful, they had a different kind of awful slavery, which was just everybody, you know, different flavor of slavery where it was just like equal opportunity slavery. Um, <laughs> not great still, right? Bad. Still bad, still bad. Um, Rome was also the place where they would like take those slaves and make them fight each other to the death for their entertainment. So like their views on the sanctity of life were pretty, pretty, pretty low. Um, and this was the culture. This was you know, like the time when Philemon was around and he was rich. And so most likely he would have also owned slaves. And by most likely, I mean he did. He owned, he owned slaves. So Philemon was a rich, slave-owning, Jesus-following Roman citizen. A confusing mess of a person, but that is who this letter is written to. So, Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. Let's ask another question. What's even it all about? What's, what's this letter all about? Good question. So, much of this letter is about a man named Onesimus. Um, here's some backstory on this guy. Onesimus is a slave who ran away from Philemon. Now, not only did he run away from Philemon, but he most likely also stole um, from Philemon. So he's like, I'm getting out of here, and I'm stealing some of your stuff, and I'm, and I'm leaving. I'm, I'm hitting the road. Um, after he ran away from Philemon, he didn't know where to go, because under the Roman laws, if you were to like, harbor an escaped slave, you'd have to pay the owner of the slave any like, loss in like, work that was done. People didn't want to do that, because if you were in debt to someone, you'd probably become a slave yourself. So people were like, no, we're not helping you. So Onesimus was like looking for somebody, running around trying to figure out where to go. And then he remembers that there was a guy that was at Philemon's house who preached about Jesus, and, when, and how Jesus would save anyone. So Onesimus goes to Paul, and Paul shows him who Jesus is, right? Paul immediately is like, what's up, dude? Brings him into his house, leads this guy to Jesus, and so Onesimus becomes a Jesus follower and starts helping Paul share Jesus while Paul was in prison. So Paul's in prison for sharing Jesus, and now Onesimus is helping him out. I don't know what he's doing. Who knows? But he was helping him out. It says that he was helping him out, and that he was a great like, aid to Paul at the time. Also, Paul was in prison for sharing Jesus. Like, when I share Jesus, I get a little nervous that my friends are going to be upset, but no one has put me in prison yet, so you guys can also share Jesus that I can put in prison. So, no one really knows for sure, like, how long Paul and Onesimus were hanging out um, and working together, but 
eventually, I imagine that this conversation happened, that Paul looks over at Onesimus and goes, okay, bro, you uh, remember my friend uh, Philemon? And Onesimus was like, yeah, the guy who enslaved me and can legally murder me if I go back to him because I probably stole from him. And Paul's like, yeah, that's the guy. I'm going to write him a letter about you, and I want you to deliver it. Yikes. Yeah, not great. Not great. Can you imagine? Uh, it would take a lot of convincing for me to go through with it. Right? It would take a lot of convincing for me to be like, all right, I'll take that letter back to this guy who can murder me legally. That's fine. I'll do that. Um, but he does, because Paul talks to him about Jesus. Paul shows him what it means to be a Jesus follower. And Paul knew the words of Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. We have talked a lot in here the last few weeks about forgiving other people, right? Because Jesus forgave us, so we forgive other people. But Jesus also says that we need to seek forgiveness. Sometimes we're in the wrong, we have to seek forgiveness, which is so much harder to do. Um, but this is what Paul taught Onesimus. He said, like, hey, you stole from this guy. Like, I know he's not great, but that doesn't mean you get to get away with it. You know, that doesn't mean that you don't seek forgiveness for what you've done. So after much time, much prayer spent with Jesus, Onesimus realizes he needs to go back and seek forgiveness. And so Onesimus agrees, and Paul writes this letter for him. And that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. That's where we are. This is the letter that Paul writes to Philemon about Onesimus. Okay. So that's what it's about. So let's dive into some content. Okay. So verses four through seven say this. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. As you understand and experience it all, as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ, your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Now, I'm sure most of you have asked your parents for like money or for like permission to go see a movie or like you've all asked your parents for something. And we all know that there is one little trick that you use before asking your parents something. And that little trick is you gotta butter them up. Just like movie theater popcorn, you gotta butter that up. You also have to butter up your parents before you ask them a question, right? You guys know, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to run the vacuum in the house before you ask your mom if you can go watch that movie with some friends because it'll be received better, right? Because her love language is acts of service. You've done something nice. She knows you love her and now she will say yes. That is kind of, this is kind of what Paul is doing here, right? He says a lot of really nice things about Philemon, and then he's going to uh, he's going to ask for a favor, and that's what verses eight and nine say. So this is why I am boldly asking you a, a favor of you. All right, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this a request for me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ. So he might be like a little bit guilt tripping him here. You know, he's like, I'm so old, I'm a prisoner. You better listen to me. I could demand it because it's what Jesus wants, but I'm going to ask you. So Paul's about to ask for something big. He literally says, he's like, it's the right thing for you to do, so you better listen to me. So what is his favor he's asking for? What do you think Paul's about to ask? Well, it's to show kindness to Onesimus, the runaway slave and possible thief. Um, which is a completely insane ask for the time and is fully outside of what the cultural norms were, right? It would be completely normal for when Philemon comes back, or not for Philemon, for when Onesimus comes back, for Philemon to be like, 
you wronged me and you're dead. Like it would have been completely normal. Or for him to beat him and then put him in a bad situation or sell him to, you know, be killed in some pit somewhere. That would have been the normal and culturally normal thing for him to do. But Paul's asking him to be culturally different. He's asking him to look at Onesimus differently. Not only does he ask Philemon to show a runaway slave who may have stolen something from him mercy and forgiveness, he pushes a little more. He says this in verse 17. He says, he's no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. He's asking Philemon not only to offer him mercy and forgiveness, but to change the way that he views this human being. To not see him as a slave anymore, to not see him as someone that's lower than him, but to see him as an equal, to see him as a brother because of Christ. Paul says this in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 11. He says, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. And what's really interesting about this uh, letter is that most, uh, many people believe that Philemon probably would have read Colossians um, because where he lived at the time was close to the city where this was written to. And so he, he probably heard Paul talking about this before. And so Paul's reminding him in this, in this letter that like, hey, I've already talked about this. You, we have to look at people differently now. Paul's saying that when we believe in and start following Jesus, that we become a new creation, a new humanity, a reflection of what will someday it'll be like in heaven, no longer identified by our problems or our situations or social status or race or country of origin, just by Jesus alone. And he's asking Philemon to change the way that he sees the people around him to match the way that Jesus sees those same people. After Paul asks all of this, which was, there was a lot going on, he recognizes that Onesimus probably owes Philemon some money, right? So he's like, okay, I understand that he probably stole from you. So then he offers to pay for any, any like damages, basically. He's like, you know what? I'm going to pay for any damages. It's fine. J just be cool with Onesimus. And so that's exactly what Paul does, and that's very nice of him. And then he does one last little push after that. He's like, here's something nice, and then, uh-oh, here's one last little push. He says, I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. He says that in verse 21 what I ask, and even more. Kind of hinting at the fact that, like, Philemon, you should not only do this with Onesimus, you should look at everyone that's around you. You should look at the slaves that are in your household. You should look at the women that are in your household. You should look at everything that's around you and realize that you are all equal because you are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So after all that, Paul ends the letter with, like, his final goodbyes. He's like, yo, me and the boys say hello to you and the boys. That's really how it, how it like, ends there. Um, and it's over, right? And it's a short little letter, but the implications are insane and life-changing for everyone involved. Paul is showing us that Jesus followers are called to a higher standard than the culture around us. That's mostly what this, this is about, is that we are called to a higher standard than the culture around us. The culture at the time in Rome was like, slaves are fine. It's okay if we view people as subhuman because we're better than them. And Jesus and Paul are saying, no, no one's better because you all are equal. You're all on the same level. You're all followers of Christ. You are all human beings. Um, now, we never actually hear what the outcome is. We are left wondering if Philemon will do the right thing. And it's almost like this book is asking us what we're going to do, asking us to answer the question. Instead of Philemon answering the question, the book is asking us to answer this question. Are we going to let our relationship with Jesus change the way we view the world or not? There's no, we don't hear if Philemon's going to do it. But the book is asking you, are you going to change the way 
you view the world because of Jesus in your life. Well, there it is. Hopefully you learned a little bit about the book of Philemon, and you should know we got one more question. Okay, so one last question. Look at your neighbor and say, so what who even cares? Just like that. So what who even cares? I saw so many of you not do it, and I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Okay, so there are a lot of obvious takeaways about how to treat people, but we talked about this a lot. I didn't plan for this. Like, I, I, I picked the idea of this series before I, like, looked into the books. So then I, like, got to the end. I'm like, these are all about the same thing. Um, but, so we talked, like, last week about how we should treat people, right? We talked about the power of seeing each other as equals. So go back and listen to last week again. Most of you didn't remember what it was about anyway, so you can go back and listen again. Just kidding. So what, who cares about Philemon? Well, if you look past the surface of exactly what this book is saying to us, you can see that there's stories of multiple strong friendships and some lessons that we can learn about how to do friendship well. So that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of this time here. So Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What that means is that a good friend makes you better and that you make your friends better. That's basically what it's saying. Um, or sometimes you can make your friends worse and they can make you worse. So you got to be careful what your friends are doing. Um, we can kind of see that play out here in the story in the letter of Philemon. There are... Um, three friendship lessons that we're going to talk about tonight. We're going we're to talk about hype up, pray for, and help out the homies. All right, so let's go. Start with number one, hype up the homies. I don't think that we call out the good in people enough, and Paul's continually doing this. You can see it in this, in this letter right here. You can see it in multiple letters. He's always calling out the good he sees in other people. He's like, I'm pumped about you guys because I see Jesus in your life. Do that with the people around you. When you see somebody doing something good, call it out in them. That's, that's something that's easy. Hype up the homies around you. Because they're like Philemon and Onesimus, like Paul says, like, yo, he's my friend. He like points out the good in other people. He points out, like, this is what this guy's doing good. He does it all the time. And I think that we should be doing that. I fully believe that seeing the good in other people is a spiritual discipline. Because it's really easy to see the bad in people and to tear each other down, but it's a lot harder to see the good and build each other up. And so I fully believe that it is a spiritual discipline that we have to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to help us to see the good in other people. I have to pray for it every day because I'm very good at seeing the bad in people and not the good in people. And so ask for that. Hype up the homies. Hype up the people around you. When you see them do something good, get excited about it. And it's like easy, dumb things. Um, even if it's like, I don't know, you saw them read their Bible one time, you're like, great job. Great job reading your Bible. You saw them not yell at their sibling one time. Be like, great job. You didn't yell at your sibling. You saw them be nice to their parents. Be like, yo, you were nice to your mom. That's so hard to do. Great job. Like anything that you can think of, hype up the homies because we don't do it enough. And I believe that we can learn that we can see from Paul's writing here that we should be hyping up the homies. The more we build each other up, the better things will be and the world will look better as well. So hype up the homies. Next one, Pray for the homies. Okay, verse four says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon. Paul talks on almost every single letter and all the time about how he's praying for the people around him. He's doing it constantly. Um, and prayer can be a little bit difficult because sometimes we just don't know what to pray for. Um, it can be a little intimidating to talk to God because he's the creator of the universe. And so it can be a little intimidating, but I encourage you, just talk to him. He knows what you're like. He knows how you speak. So just talk. It'll be easier. And if you start running out of things to pray for after like a minute, or even if you don't, pray for your friends. Thank him for your friends in your life, and then pray for those exact same friends. Um, this is something that Jesus does too. This isn't just something I'm making up that Paul does. This is something that Jesus does too. He, does, um, he talks about it in chapter 17, verse 9 of the Gospel of John. He says, 
I, this is a prayer. He says, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Now, it's sometimes good to pray for the whole world, but sometimes you just got to pray for the people that God has given you. And that's a good thing to do. Um, pray that they know Jesus more every day. Pray for their life decisions. Pray that their family relationships are good. Pray for them to do the right thing even when it's hard. Pray for them to find joy. Pray that, that and wait for like any of their hurts to go away. Just pray for them in general. Ask them what they need prayer for. Simple things, pray for your homies because I think it will build your friendship and it's a good thing. The more we pray for each other, the better it will be. The Bible says when two or three people gather together and pray, God listens. So the more people you can get praying, the better it is. So... Pray for your homies. And I can talk about the power of prayer a lot, um, but I think Pastor Chris is going to talk about it a lot here more soon. So just remember, pray for your homies. So number one, we got hype up the homies. Number two, we got pray for the homies. And number three, and last one, we got help out the homies. All right? You see what we did there? See the theme? All right. So, (laughs) yeah. So we can see that Paul, like, hands-on helps out Onesimus by writing this letter, right? To, like, help smooth things over with Philemon. He's like, He's, he's just there, like, helping out a little bit. And, we, and it's implied that Onesimus has been helping out Paul while he was in prison. He could have been, like, getting him food, running messages, just being a helpful guy. And that's what friends do. Just be helpful guys. That's easy. I can, I can even count all the times that my friends have helped me out, um, and it leaves me feeling grateful every time. Like, people have helped me out with my resume. People have helped me uh, driving places when I need it. They've picked me up when I didn't have a ride. Like, help out your homies. Look for ways that you can help out the people around you because... That's what Jesus followers are, right? People are going to look at our lives and say, like, what, what are these guys all about? They should see us helping each other. It's, it's a way that we love each other. So help with the homies in easy, practical ways. Like, I don't know, like help them study for a test. Um, maybe they're having a long day. Take them coffee. I don't know. You guys can figure this out. Look around for ways to help each other out. Even ask. Go ahead. Ask about it. Be like, yo, how can I help you today? Do it. Help out your homies. Now, Paul also helps out his homies spiritually. All right. He does this by pointing out some of the sin in their lives. Now, don't get excited. Don't get excited. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm not allowed to be mean right now. I'm not allowed to be mean. Exactly. Don't get excited that I'm saying that you can just go to your friends and be like, yo, you're the worst. And this is all the reasons why I think you're the worst and the not loving Jesus. You can't do that, guys. Don't do that. There are some rules here. Okay. So first you need to make sure that you are close enough to this person. This isn't something you do with a casual friend, okay? You're not going to call out something that you see going on in a friend's life if you just see them every once in a while. That's not... Don't be crazy, guys. You should know that one. (laughs) Make sure that you are a close enough friend. And also, make sure that you see the good in your friend's life. When you go and confront a person, don't just say, like, oh, these are all the bad things. Point out the good along with the bad. It'll help. This type of interaction can have the opposite effect if you're not careful. So make sure that you pray about it. Make sure that you know exactly what you're going to talk about. And also make sure to look at your own life because you don't want to go picking out a speck in someone else's eye when you have a plank in your own. So make sure all of those things before you go and confront a friend. But it is good to confront a friend. Sometimes your friend's going to need it. Sometimes your friend might be slipping and he's going to need someone to sharpen that iron, come up beside him and help him out when he's in a bad situation. That maybe he doesn't even realize that he's in this bad situation. Paul shows Onesimus, right? that he needed, as a Jesus follower, he needed to forgive those around him, right? He, that's uh, Paul showing him something, right? He's like, hey, you need to go ask for forgiveness from someone. That's something that you can do too. You, you, you can also see Paul guiding Philemon, right? Through this whole letter, he's guiding Philemon down a path that's like, hey, at the end of this, you realize that you're going to have to change the way you view humans around you. So maybe you see a friend who isn't spending time in their Bible, 
Before you go confront them, you should ask some questions. Go talk to them about it. Don't just throw out accusations. Don't just throw out the like, you have to read your Bible right now. Don't do that. Go to there, ask them questions, and then offer help. Paul offered Onesimus help. He's like, yo, I'm going to write you this letter. It's going to be helpful. So if you do have a friend that's struggling, maybe reading their Bible, read it together. Offer help. Say like, I'm going to do this with you. Let's set up a plan where we read the Bible together. Or if you have a friend that's like obviously in a bad relationship, be like, yo, I can like, we can talk through like what it's going to look like to change your relationship. Help out a friend. Don't just leave them with the accusation and run away. Maybe someone's rude to their parents. Who knows? And you see it and you're like, man, this is bad all the time. Talk to them about it. Ask them questions about it. Maybe you can set up a little thing where they, you text them an emoji that's like thumbs down when they're being mean to somebody. I don't know. You can figure it out. Look at your friends' lives. Look at your own life. And don't be afraid to point out when someone is slipping. Because we all slip sometimes and we all need help all the time, if we're being honest. Do it with kindness. Don't be condescending and pray about it a lot. Make sure it's coming from a good place and not from a place that's like, I want to get them. You know, make sure. Examine your own heart and figure out what's going on in there. Work together. And there's a little life hack that I'm, I think everyone should, should do right now. Number one, life hack. If you're struggling to find friends, uh-oh, you're here and there's friends all around you. You can find friends here. This is the perfect place to find friends because we're Jesus followers and we're the friendliest place on earth. And you guys know that. So find friends here. If you're struggling to find friends, look around you. You're going to find some really cool friends. Number two, this is something that I do. There are friends in my life that I have given permission to call out when they see something in me that is not good. Do that. Look around you. Find out who's your friend that you can trust that's also a Jesus follower. You're both running in the same direction as Jesus. Don't date him. Just say, yo. <laughs> Don't date that guy. Just say, yo, friend. You can call it when you see something going on in my life. And then, you know, obviously, they can do it with you too. Okay, so what can we, what can we learn about friendship in the book of Philemon? Hype up the homies, pray for the homies, help out the homies. And there's one last thing that I want to point out before we leave this book. Um, this is the only letter that Paul doesn't mention Jesus's payment on the cross for our sins. Um, that God is love and that our sin separated us from him. But God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and to be raised from the dead and to close the separation so that now we get to have a relationship with God. And then on top of all that, he sent the Holy Spirit down to empower us to live a life as a Jesus follower. This is the only book where he doesn't talk about all that, right? He doesn't speak about it at all, not a single time. But if you look closely, it's, it's in there, guys. He still kind of talks about it. So verse 18 says this, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Paul doesn't talk about Jesus' sacrifice. He lives it out. He doesn't have to talk about the fact that Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice because he's saying, hey, look at my life and how I'm living like a Jesus follower. Look at my life and how I'm offering up something to help someone else out. Are you living in a way that shows Jesus to the friends in your life? Paul showed Philemon that he wasn't and that he needed to change. So take a look at your own life. Is it declaring Jesus or is it denying him? Are your friendships declaring Jesus or are they denying him? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that you can teach us about so many things in your word and that when we pay attention and when we listen to you, our lives will look better than they did before. I thank you that we have the opportunity to make friends and that you've put us in places of community that when we work together, we can build something that's really cool and we can have awesome friendships. But God, I pray that right now you help us to see the good in each other, even when it's hard. I ask that you help us to remember to pray for each other. 
to lift up our needs to you. And I also pray that you help us to help each other. You put us in community for a reason. You put friends in our life for a reason. And that's so that we can build each other up and we can help each other when someone has slipped and fallen down. Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Thank you.